0: He's writing, he's telling me the same thing Because he's Google searching Or he Actually, I think he knew Because I think his brother actually worked later on On an album with the lead singer I'm like, oh my god Is this woman going to method herself Into actual contractions And to you, it may not be that great a song It doesn't really matter The point is, it's that song For me, it's that song For you, it's a different song For me, it's that song And there it is If she starts actually going into labor, what am I doing? The studio is a mess. Uh, Hudson was in here, my son. You know I have a 10-year-old son. My name is Dan Klass, and I sit in my garage and I make these recordings, and I have a 10-year-old son. I'm a stay-at-home dad uh, for the most part. I I used to try to be an actor and a comedian, and then, uh, you know, my wife got pregnant, and I just, you know, And then 10 years happened. (laughs) Uh 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 So my son was in here and he left a bit of a mess. Like I don't. But you know what I mean. It's just different when someone else makes a mess. When you make a mess, that's your mess. It's your brand. It's your thing. You were in the middle of something and then you had to walk away. And that's fine. But when someone else makes a mess, especially in something that you consider quote unquote your space. uh Ah. But my son... Uh, was in the uh, the studio here in the garage, our, our, our little box. And um, he wanted to record this song parody that he wrote. And he s- was singing and working on it all day, which, you know, at first is kind of cute. You know, your son's working on a, a song parody. Uh, and, and, you know, it's based on We Are The World, and he's singing this kind of butchered version of We Are The World all day. And then his sister will come in, and depending on his mood, he'll either try to kill her, or try to get her to join. What, what rhymes with pastry? You know, that kind of thing. So just a constant day of we are the world and arguing and, and me grinding my teeth. And um, he left the lyrics in here in his microphone. He has an old microphone I gave him in the laptop that I don't think even works anymore. The port, you know, it's just bad. And I don't even know what the name of his parody is. But basically, he's rewriting the, the words to we are the world. And I think it's called "We are the she- We are the chef." We are the chef, We are the bakers. We are the ones who make a better snack, so let's start cooking. Now, I have to assume that at the tender age of 10 and three quarters, the irony escapes him, that he's rewritten a song that is really about saving the world's hunger. You know, it's a starvation song, and he's turned it into one about uh, baking up some snacks. Or who knows? Maybe my son already is working at such a high, high level of uh, comedic si- uh, satire that I didn't even realize till this moment that he's actually a genius, right? Is it just an inane song parody, or is he the new Twain? I have no, I have no idea. I have no way of knowing. I'll tell you that right now. I do know, though, the kids have continued their comedy college experience. You know, my, my daughter's been studying Lucille Ball, which what that means is she lies on the floor and we play her Lucy episodes. You know, I love Lucy off the TiVo and then and she laughs a lot, which is good because better that than, you know, Powerpuff Girls or Stay Square Pants Spongebob, any of that, you know, stuff. And then so I guess because Harpo Marx was on I Love Lucy, somehow that came up. And we live in the, you know, the culture now, which is fabulous that, you know, I don't know, Whim, you know, oh, yeah, Harpo was once on Lucy. Remember that guy, Harpo? You don't know who I mean? Oh, here it is. Boop, 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 on YouTube. And the next thing I know, you're watching a Lucy clip, a randomly selected Lucy clip on your phone. Sitting at the dining room table. It's uh, amazing. So... uh. I checked the Netflix instant watching instant thing, and uh, Duck Soup is on there. So they watched, the kids watched Duck Soup, the Marx Brothers movie, this weekend, and uh, they loved it quite a bit. Harpo is still the favorite in the family. When the TiVo crashed there for a couple minutes, they watched Victor Borg. Victor Borg? I always called him Victor Borg. Is it Borg? You know what I mean? You got to throw a little uh at the end. I, I don't know. I don't know. Are these are these references too old? Have you not gone that far back into the uh, annals? You know what I mean of American uh, comedy into the black and white era. Should I not be discussing with you, Victor Borg, uh, Abbott and Costello, Laurel and Hardy? I'm going backwards now, but you know what I mean. Do you consider old American comedy uh, episodes of Seinfeld? Is that what's happening here? Anyway, um, I thought I would, ju- I'll, I'll just tell you this because it's just, uh, you know, whatever. So uh, when I was in high school, I, th- I think it was when I was still in high school, maybe a little bit after when I, when I, well, oh, let, let's back up. Okay. When I was in high school, let me, let me, let, let's be honest. I really liked the ladies and um, intellectual pursuits. We're not high on my list of priorities. Basically, I liked the ladies, uh, the music, uh, driving around, and uh, doing plays. You know, hanging around in the school theater with my play chums and uh, my art classes, I guess. So amazing. And hanging around with musicians. my Because I had all these musician friends. So I got musician friends. I got my arts, my uh, theater friends. You know what I mean? All right, maybe a little karate, but, the, but the, you're getting you're getting the picture of Dan, you know, in high school in upstate New York a long, stinking time ago. So, every once in a while, we'd go see a band somewhere or whatever, you know. I was really into, uh, at the time, the, um, you know, things were kind of changing, moving away from the hard rock into kind of like the new wavy stuff and reggae rock. The police were very big. Poli- the police, you know, staying in the police, you know, the police. Um, the police hit me at a time when I was kind of moving away from my friends that were doing things that we probably shouldn't have been doing you know going out into the woods and doing things putting things into our bodies we shouldn't maybe do do you understand the, their participation in that particular culture was escal- escalating to the right beyond things that I was comfortable with something about taking a seven hour acid trip I'm going to come around and tell you. It didn't look that appealing to me. A seven-hour commitment to being on acid? You know what, guys? I'll pass. Let me know how it goes. So, but then I started listening to The Police and then Joe Jackson, all these kind of, you know, post-punk, pop, whatever bands that were becoming known in upstate New York at that time, because we kind of missed a lot of the punk stuff. We really just, you know, I was not in tune with that at all. But really got into the kind of like the reggae rock sound of The Police and then and and trust me, I could have this so wrong, okay because it was you know nineteen eighty one eighty two was r- r- rather a uh, 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 long time ago but as I remember it so my my friend timmy b yo my friend timmy b who is still uh, to this day one of my best friends and the greatest guy uh timmy so timmy comes to comes to me and says um And again, this is how I remember it. God only knows. Hey, let's go see this band. We're going to go see this band uh, at this place. They're kind of like the police, but they're a local band. And and I hear they're awesome. And maybe he'd even already seen them before. And um, let's go. I think they're opening up for uh, this other big reggae band in town. Maybe that's what it was. We actually went to go see uh, the other band. I can't. What's their name? I can't even think of their name now. But there was this big local reggae band that was doing, you know, like, did your town? Well, yeah, you know, if you're young, your town didn't do this because you didn't make albums. Whatever, in you know Rochester, kind of a big music town, and uh, one of the radio stations in town would make a record every year, I think, like a homegrown record, you know. And they'd have local bands on this homegrown record. And, and one of the bands in 82 or so was this reggae band, whatever this reggae band was. So this this reggae rock band, this is going to be hard to follow because I'm not using proper names. Okay, the, the Deserters, this band, the Deserters, we're going to open up for the big reggae band, I think, in this little club. Or maybe not, I don't know. But But the point was, Timmy sold me on, there's this band, they're like the police. Come see them. Let's go. We'll go. Let's go. We went. And uh, they were the, so the deserters... So we go into this club. Now, most of the bands that I'd seen at this point were cover bands or teenage bands. And teenage bands were all cover bands. Playing, you know, Led Zeppelin. You know, Foreigner. Uh, Lou Graham from Foreigner was from Rochester. So a lot of Foreigner going on. So I don't know how many co- concerts at this point I'd seen in a club... I'd been to big shows, you know, big like going to the Nugent concert, right? Go to the Nugent concert or then later, uh, you know, the Gap Band and Cool and the Gang or whatever. But, but like seeing a band in a club doing an original song really was kind of a new thing for me. So we went and saw the Deserters, this band. And it was a three-piece band, three guys, um, African-American uh, guitar player. Uh, singer, and then a bass player who I don't remember at all. Sorry, dude, and uh, a drummer. Drummer with a big kit, from what I remember. That was that's my takeaway was the drummer had a big kit, like Stuart Copeland. You know, Stuart Copeland from the Police had one of those big kits. Or you always thought of him at least having a big kit because he had kind of a big kit sound. He had a he was not right. He was going. He's had like maybe some wind chimes over here, like not exactly Neil Pert, but but a big kit. All I knew was this dude, compared to my friends, had a big kit. Right, so there's this like hip, I, black, I'm going to say black. We used to, you know, African-Americans used to be black. So there's like the hip black dude, okay, playing playing the reggae rock guitar, got the dude with the big kit, and then apparently I, I assume there was a bass player. But on the side of the stage where I was, I didn't. all I saw was the lead singer. I was a lead singer guy. So they're playing, they're playing their reggae rock and they're singing, they're doing their thing, man. This guy is cool, right? The singer guy is cool. He's cool. He's got that kind of like inverted reggae dance step thing, you know, where you kind of go up when you think you might go dead. are just like this kind of reggae ska thing. He just had the whole vibe going. Unique voice, but not so unique that it was freaking me out. It was kind of like, yeah, you can see this guy, right? Filling in for Sting or, uh, you know, calling hey, something like that. well they did this song that stuck in my brain and I'm telling you I only saw this band maybe once or twice I never heard the song on the radio and then pretty soon I would graduate high school and go to college and wouldn't be participating really in in the Rochester rock scene at all but they did this song that for whatever reason really stuck in my head it was called Going Nowhere and um, the lyric is something like, you know, he's going around, using everyone. Don't he know he's going nowhere? Something like that, right? <clears throat> going nowhere, going in And this song, and it's not the complicated song. It's not, right? It's, but but it, it stuck in my brain forever. To the point where now I still have this indelible image of this lead singer guy. Right? And the drum kit, the big drummer, kit drummer, because I'm staged left. They're playing, going nowhere, going nowhere, going, yeah, for 30 years. And so then what I would do for every, every, I'd say five years since then, when I would, I'd be talking to Timmy B. And I'd say, Timmy, oh man, remember that band? What's the name of that band that, um, That we saw in Rochester at that time, kind of a reggae rock thing, right? A black lead singer. They were doing that song. Remember that Going Nowhere? Do you remember those guys? Be like, yeah, that that was the Deserters. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then by the time I got from the conversation to being in a position to, to try to figure out whatever happened to those guys, the name of the band, I don't know why, would leave my brain. Now, the song would never leave my brain. The, the image of the singer and the drummer and with no bass. I don't know, the bass player was on the other side of the singer. I don't know what. That, that never left. The, the name of the deserters, was. it's apparently stored in some part of my brain that I damaged before I left those other dudes and started listening to the police. But I'd, I'd, you know, I'd go, oh, I got to write that down. And by the time I got home I'd write it, I'd write down the searchers. The dissonance, the descendants, or, or, never the right, always. I And I could never find the band. And then five years later, I'd be talking to Tim. Hey, and hey, how, how things? What's going on? Hey, dude, remember that band? What were they called? Together? You ever hear about them? What's that dude's name? Do you know? Uh, the deserters, Dan. Five year tick, 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 gone. Gone every time. Every five years for 30 years. So then, the, but then, and, and, and keep in mind, you know, Tim and I and, and many, you know, Rochester friends, we would be on these mailing lists, these emailing lists, these pre Facebook, you know, where you just put everybody on a CC list type mailing lists and you hook up with friends or whatever. The in the Internet, you know, I've been on the Internet now for what? What are we In oh, ten, ten years at least. Right. Let's say ten years, eight, ten, ten. No, more than ten. What am I insane? Fifteen years. Never could get it, never could get it, never could get it together. And I don't know, it's something about the way I store information. If you tell me something and I don't write it down, or if I can't see it in print, it's gone. So weird, kind of a weird chain of whatever is, um, there's this band Vampire Weekend that, uh, that we really enjoy here at the house. Okay. You know, Vampire Weekend. They're from Columbia University, I think, these uh, kind of upper-middle-class white dudes from uh, the East. And they sing these little songs. They kind of, you know, maybe a little 80s-ish, maybe not, kind of world-ish, you know. I dig them. I always feel like if my, you know, if my life story was filmed by, uh, you know, Wes Anderson, that would be on the soundtrack, would be some Vampire Weekend, you know. And Hudson, my son, he's really into them. So their new album came out a couple days ago. And uh, we've been anticipating it for quite some time. And I made some comment on Facebook or whatever, you know, uh, that uh, Hudson and I were listening to the album before it came out, but on their website, on the Vampire Weekend website. And, um, you know, a friend chimed in and said, oh, blah, blah, you know, whatever, what else are you listening to or whatever. And And then my friend, Tommy from high school, from Rochester, right? Tommy. He says something like, hey, uh, you know, what was that band you you guys were listening to uh, back in the day, that reggae rock band? Oh, yeah, The Police. They're... And he was kind of complimenting my, I've always tried to be a little on top of things, which I'm really not. But, but every once in a while, I'll have a name for of a band that maybe uh, the person next to me doesn't have. And then they'll have a couple, you know, they'll have like 14 that I've never heard of. But for some reason, right, it always kind of sticks with them that they knew of something, I knew of something they didn't know, whatever. So he's kind of like. Trying to say, like, hey, Dan, yeah, I remember when you were really into the police before uh, I knew who they were or whatever. Uh, you know, you always had your eye on that kind of thing. And it got me thinking that I, that he was mistaken. And that he was not really thinking about the police, that he was actually maybe thinking about this other band, the band that, that the name I can't ever remember. So I wrote on Facebook to Tommy and Tim and a, my musicianish friends, right, from Rochester. I said, listen, Tommy got me thinking again. About this band, I can never remember the name of this band. Timmy B and I saw them a couple times in Rochester. I don't know where. Maybe it was at this Red Creek place that Tommy brought up. But I figure now that, that Facebook is, you know... And Google, I can Google search this band. And I got to be able to find something. Because I don't know what it was about this stupid song. This going nowhere song. That it, it must have tapped into something in me. It tapped into the juvenile part. That's what it was. Because it was about a guy that I, I was mistakenly maybe trying to be. You know, he kind of got the sense like he's, like this guy is on the move. He's he's kind of messing around with all the chicks. Right? You got James Brown on the radio. He's going nowhere. Because that was kind of this persona that had been carting around with me for a couple of years. This like happening dude that's kind of messing around with all the chicks. Really actually looking to just have someone fall in love with me, but... Or getting over something. You know what I mean? Like whenever I was running around, really, I was trying to get over the last big one. And going nowhere. Well, Timmy was nice enough to get back to me back to me with the, the name of the band. And then I googled, I found the name of the band referred to in a thing about a club that shut down, and they were having a thing, and the band became this band, and next thing I know, my friend Dave, who's a friend of Tommy's, who's in a band with Tommy now, they're still in a band together in Rochester, he's writing, he's telling me the same thing, because he's Google searching, or he, actually, I think he knew, because I think his brother actually worked later on, on an album with a lead singer, and it turns out that their bandmate, Chip, who I know from high school, had played keyboards on one of the dudes, you know, the dude, the black dude, the hip dude, the African-American sting guy, from the deserters from 1982. And then came YouTube. So after 30 years of occasionally having this song, the snippet of this song, this little riff of this simple little reggae rock tune rolling around in my head, after 30 years, I'm sitting in front of my computer in my tiny little house in Los Angeles watching obviously a much older version now of that lead singer sing that song. Yeah, he's a little longer in the tooth. So am I. The song's been slowed down. It's a little more relaxed. But that's the dude. That's my song. Still picture it, stage left, standing there watching That's the Guy. 30 years of having this song in my brain. And I'm watching it on YouTube. And to you, it may not be that great a song. It doesn't really matter. The point is, it's that song. For me, it's that song. For you, it's a different song. For me, it's that song. And there it is. And right below the image of that guy singing that song, doing that little kind of inverted ska reggae rock stance I don't know what that's called is the comment box comment on this video well I had to write something it's been 30 years 30 years 30 years And I don't know what I wrote. Hey, great song. Great to hear this song. The song has been stuck in my head since 1982. What have you done to me? It sounds great. Congratulations. Hope, you know, on the great work. I hope you're at it for another 30 years. And I send. I'm sitting at the dojo watching uh, my daughter's class, my daughter's karate class and during a lull I check my email and I have a an email from the lead singer of The Deserters the song writer of the song that for 30 years kept bubbling up just this tiny little riff would never go away and I'm telling you I've seen bands I've seen bands I've, entire shows I couldn't recall a single moment right band after band big bands like I, I mean I, I, I know I went to the Who concert I, I can't pull up a single frame so he wrote me an email hey glad you like the song I checked out your video. Looks great. We should work together. I was a stay-at-home dad type of house husband, too. Let's talk. Michelle Fambro. Reach out, my friend. Reach out. It's a small world. And... You know, it's like every once in a while someone will write me and say, Hey, Dan, you know, you probably get this stuff all the time. No, you know, not really. Yeah, maybe huge celebrities, you know, they get so much interaction and mail. Everybody wants to shake their hand and pat their back and touch their ass and all that stuff. Yeah, I'm sure that gets old. You know what? Any Anyone uh, lower than, say, the B-list? We love it. I'm nobody. I'm just some guy sitting in my garage listening. And now as the lawnmower guy comes, here he comes. Uh. yeah if there's some singer some comedian some actor some somebody you know reach out say hello tell them you appreciate what they did what they do what they continue to do or strive for and I don't know if I don't know if Miche Fambro, Fambro I don't know if we're going to do anything together or not or whatever we're, we'll see I certainly hope so but the point is I think he appreciated the contact and I know I did just like I appreciate it when you write me. Or at least think about writing me. Or somebody else. Some other podcaster. I don't know. But so many times my appreciation for other people stays in. And doesn't get out. How much I like what they're doing. I, 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 I say to myself, wow, that was really good. And that's it. They let it out. And you liked it. So let it out. Let it out. Alright, thanks for listening to The Bitter's Pill. You've been listening to the shorter, freer version. Uh, As I sit here listening to the mower guy roll up on me... Oh boy, here we go. Um, I'm not even sure what... You know, the full version has uh, me talking about the song that was stuck in my head for 30 years. Going to the movie actress's uh, house for the big reading. You know, she's in these big horror movies. And we went over to her house to to read a script. And she was quite pregnant. (laughs) If you're interested in signing up for The Premium Pill and uh, listening to all the stories, the whole hour or however long these stupid things end up being, go to bitterspill.com and sign up today. It's only $4 a, a month, but, but if you don't do that, it doesn't matter. Because I'm glad you're listening. And I thank you very much for, for listening, for downloading The Bitters Pill. Of course, special thanks to Miche Fambro uh, and the Dan Eaton Band for uh, that rendition of the deserter's song going nowhere, uh, please find uh, Miche, and gosh, Miche, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, at M-I-C-H-E.com uh, for all your new and old, uh, you know, work of Mr. Fambro. Okay, um, please write me at uh, pill at danclass.com, stop by the website, I'd give you the phone number, but I don't have it in front of me, I'm sorry, you could call me, you know. Uh, it's on the website. You'll find it. Anyway, thanks for listening, uh, and thanks for supporting The Bitter spell. It's me. It's Dan. Uh, bye. And before we go, I wanted to uh, say a few words about something very sad and shocking. Uh on uh, the 7th, January 7th, I found out that uh, T. Morris's wife unexpectedly passed away. I don't know much about uh, what has happened. All I know is that, uh, that that's the case. And T. Morris, uh, I don't know if you know who T. Morris is. If you're any fan or friend of podcasting, T. Morris um, was one of the first, I'd say, two or three podcasting authors. And has been a mainstay of the podcasting community uh, really since its birth. He was also one of the co-authors of podcast uh, Podcasting for Dummies and one of the co-founders of Patio Books at uh, patiobooks.com. T. Morse is a fantastic guy. I'd never had the pleasure of meeting his wife, but I know T. is going through what we can only... Uh, you know, a time that we can only begin to imagine how horrible it is for he and his uh, daughter... Uh, if this is news to you, if you don't, if you know T and uh, didn't know this or whatever, please, uh, you know, stop by his Facebook page and, and wish him well or w- something. I don't know, but um, a collection is being taken up for uh, T and his daughter. I, I'll put a link up on my site; it'll h- send you over to probably Scott Sigler's site, and then from there to the the actual uh, donation. It was put together by Philippa Ballantine, and um, anyway, T, we, we all. Wish you the best of luck here in the class family under the flight path. We wish there was something more that we could do for you and your daughter. The Bitterest Pill is produced by Jacket Media. JacketMedia.com. Makers of fine podcasts since 2004.